Hey, welcome to worship this morning. We're so glad you came to join us. Uh, it's been so fun to be online as we've had people checking in from all over the nation, actually all over the world. Some of our missionaries overseas have uh, logged on. We've got people in our community and of course our congregation is online as well. I just wanna encourage you through the service, you can make comments. If you haven't already, you can say hi to your friends. You can make uh, comments about the message. You can say amen or at least text it or, or do a heart or a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Uh, but we want you to engage in this service. I know that many of you are kind of pent up. You've been in your houses for almost two weeks now. This um, past week was supposed to be spring break and a lot of you had these great idealized uh, wishes for spring break, um, vacation, time with your kids, break from school, but um, spring break started a week early and it's gonna go a few weeks beyond normal spring break. And now you kind of question whether you like spring break so much or not. A crisis can challenge what we believe. In fact, I've watched uh, some of your Facebook posts. And I wanna share uh, how, how you've gotten through this with humor. So um, we're gonna show you some of these pictures here. Um, here's one of them. Um, people are mad because they have to watch their kids for two weeks. Some of y'all are about to learn that teacher wasn't lying. Here's another one, homeschool day one, wondering how I can get this kid transferred out of my class. This one, gotta say that the class of 2020 outdid themselves with senior skip day this year. Someone wrote, if the legal gathering size gets any smaller, I'm gonna need someone to come and get a few of these kids. And then my favorite is this, day four. I saw parents scraping off the terrific kid at blank sticker off their minivan. So I see spring break isn't quite what you uh, imagined it was going to be. And I think crises do that. It challenges what we believe, not just about spring break, but uh, I think even about more significant things like, what do you believe about God? Is he provider? Will he provide for you during this time? When we've gone out and stocked up on food and toilet paper and all kinds of goods, do we really believe that he's our provider? Do we believe that God is sovereign, that he's in control? Or are we looking to our government to be the ones to rescue us during this crisis? What do you believe about prayer? Um, does God hear your prayers? Does he answer your prayers? And if so, why are we spending so much time on Facebook and so little time actually praying? Challenges our belief about the church. Uh, we say often the church isn't the building, it's the people, but many people feel lost without the building. They don't know how to function as a church. And so it's challenged our beliefs. And I think the greatest belief it's challenged is do we really believe Jesus is our source of hope, our source of peace, our source of joy and happiness in life? Because when all these things have been stripped away from us, our school, um, our vacations, our travel, our socialization, March Madness, the Masters Golf Tournament. I mean, all these things are stripped away. Are you still happy? Do you still have peace? Do you still have hope? Is Jesus enough? And so this is challenging us. And I wanna to talk to you today really about your relationship with Jesus because I believe Jesus is enough to get us through this crisis. Of course he's enough. If he can get us through death in the end, he can get us through anything less than death. So he'll get us through this. I'm confident of that. And so it's very critical where you stand right now with Jesus. We're gonna to look today, John chapter 18, and we're gonna look at three characters that show up in this chapter and look at their relationship with Jesus. I have a feeling you're gonna find yourself as I did in these characters, and they challenge us about where we stand with Jesus. So if you have a Bible, open up to John chapter 18. We're gonna start reading uh, with verse one all the way to verse five. It says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who'd betrayed him, also knew the place where Jesus often met there with his disciples. 
And so Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. And then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. The first character we meet here is, is Judas. And I call Judas the opportunistic follower. An opportunistic follower, someone who follows Jesus primarily for their own gain. They're, they're in it for themselves. They want what Jesus has to give, and really that's about it. The definition of an opportunist is a person who exploits circumstances to gain immediate advantage rather than being guided by consistent principles or plans. It makes me think of this guy that was down in Fountain earlier this week. He was selling toilet paper on a street corner. Five bucks a roll. Five dollars a roll. I just went to Safeway a week ago and got a 12-pack for $6. So he's exploiting people. That's an opportunist. And sometimes we can become like that in our relationship with Jesus. Judas, I think, was an opportunist. Now, I don't know if he started out that way because, you know, Jesus chose Judas to be one of the 12 disciples. And his name, Judas, is the Greek version of the Hebrew name for Judah, which is one of the sons of Jacob. And the name actually means God be praised or praise. And I tend to think he, he heard all, the G, all of Jesus' teachings. He saw the miracles. I mean, he spent three years with Jesus. It had to have an impact on his life. When Jesus sent out the disciples to go out and preach and to teach, to heal the sick and cast demons out, Judas was one of them that did all that. And so Judas was part of the followers. And yet Judas was a sharp guy. He had a a special role among the band of disciples. He was the treasure, the guy that took care of the money as they traveled. And um, it says in scripture that there was a time when a woman came to Jesus and she broke open this expensive jar of perfume. She poured it on Jesus to anoint him and, and Judas pitched a fit. He said, man, you could have sold that bottle of perfume for a lot of money and given it to the poor. And John said that really he just wanted to stuff the money bag so he had more money to steal. And right after that incident, Judas went to the authorities and he asked them what they would give him if he turned Jesus over to them. They offered him 30 pieces of silver, which isn't a whole lot of money. I mean, it's 200 bucks. It's about a day's worth of work, but $200 if you turn over Jesus to them. And so that very night, he began to plot how he was going to do that. Came the night of the Last Supper. Jesus is with his disciples. And during that meal, I mean, Jesus washes his disciples' feet, including Judas's feet. He speaks to them about a new commandment. And then during the taking of the Last Supper, the elements, the breaking of the bread, the, the juice or the wine, Jesus leaned over to Judas and said, what you're going to go do, do quickly. And nobody else there knew what Jesus was talking about, except for the invisible guest. See, Satan knew what, what Peter, excuse me, what Judas was going to do, because it says in John 13, 2, during the supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So here we have Satan speaking into Judas's life so Judas will betray Jesus. And a while later, he goes into the garden. Uh, John doesn't describe it this way, but Matthew does, that Judas meets Jesus, gives him a kiss, customary, affectionate greeting. The, the, the guards come and they take Jesus away. And you know, I can be really tough on Judas and then I start to look at myself and wonder, have I ever betrayed Jesus? Have I ever been an opportunist? You know, we can be opportunistic followers when it's more about our kingdom than his kingdom. 
When we want, it, we want importance but not intimacy with God, when we want success for my ventures, for my business, for my family, but not necessarily for God's kingdom, we want peace for our lives, but we don't want to forgive other people. We want to be blessed, but we don't want to turn around and be a blessing to others. We hope one day that we're going to go to heaven. We want that guarantee. But, but we want to live forever with Jesus there, but we don't want to live for him day by day here. I mean, that's an opportunist. And we all want something from Jesus, obviously. We want salvation. But, but it's when we want the things that God doesn't want to give us, the things that he says aren't ours to have, that's where we become opportunists. Jesus invites us into his world to build his kingdom. He's not there to help us build our kingdom. And if we really want to follow Jesus, we've got to surrender it all to him. There's a story that I posted the other day on our Facebook page about um, the Italian doctors. And this came from one of our um, missionary families that's related to um, one of our staff members. And they said that in Italy, the hospitals are overrun. They're just crowded. The doctors are stressed out. And this one particular doctor said he's an atheist. But he's, he's so helpless right now. He doesn't even know where to turn. They're so tired. They're so desperate for help that he says the only place they can turn is to Jesus. And he was an atheist. He's turning to Jesus. Reminds me of John chapter 6 when Jesus feeds the 5,000. And, and after he tells them a really tough teaching that they need to feed on him more than the bread and fish. It says that, that droves of people went away. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, what about you guys? Are you, are you going to leave too? And Peter said, Lord, who... Who can we go to? You have the words of eternal life. And see, when you have no other option to turn to, that's when you know Jesus is my only option. And sometimes in a crisis, when you realize, you know, it's not going to be sports that gets me through. It's not going to be my, my school that's going to get me through. It's not even going to be my job that gets me through or even my government that's going to get me through. Jesus is my only good option. That's what we need. There's another character we meet in this story. It's a little bit later. His name's Peter. It says in verse 15, Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. And since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. And so the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, oh, I'm not. And now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. And Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. And then I jumped down to verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So he said to him, you also are not one of the disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it. And at once a rooster crowed. Peter is a timid disciple. He's a timid disciple. He follows as long as it's convenient, but when it got difficult, when it got costly, he backed away. You know, many of us are like that. We follow Jesus when it's convenient, but when the stakes get high, when it may cost us something, we bail out because we didn't ask for that. We didn't ask for the tough times. See, when danger comes in, often fear rises and faith vanishes. And you can't have fear and faith residing in the same heart. Either we're full of faith or we're full of fear. And so if you're feeling fearful, you're not being very faithful. And the way to drive out fear is to trust or have faith in Jesus. Peter seems like he was a bold man because he's the one that told Jesus to ask him to come out onto the water when Jesus was walking on the lake. And Peter got out of the boat, he walked on the water. He was a brave disciple, it seemed. When, when Jesus asked questions like, who do people say that I am? It was Peter 
who said, Jesus, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. When, when Jesus said he was going to Jerusalem and people would betray him and hand him over to the authorities and he would be crucified, Peter says, no way, that's not going to happen on my watch. I mean, Peter was the bold one, but, but Jesus says, Peter, you say you're so devoted to me, but before the rooster crows, you'll deny me not once, not twice, three times. That's exactly what happened. I remember back when I was in high school, our youth leader told us a story about a, a group of Christians who met in a country where being a Christian was, was illegal. And they were meeting undercover, and one night as they were having a Bible study, the doors burst open and armed men barged in with, with rifles. And they pointed them at these people and said, if you're not a true believer, get out of here. You're, you're free to go. And some of the people grabbed their belongings and scooted out the door, but a handful of people remained in the room. And they were, they were afraid because they knew they were probably going to die that night. But the men sat down next to them, put their weapons on the floor and said, we've been looking for some true believers. We have questions about Jesus. Can you help us? And, and I know when I first heard that story in high school, I don't know if it's true or not, but, but the message was clear. If I'm put in a position where I would possibly lose my life because of my faith, would I hold true to Jesus? And you know, at times in my life, I would say, I don't know if I would. I remember back when I was a young believer in high school, I had a hard time praying over the food in the lunchroom, you know, before I ate a meal because I was afraid of what other kids would think. There's times when I would tell people I go to church, but I wouldn't tell them I was a believer in Jesus because I was afraid of what they would say to me. And, and maybe you feel that way too. There's people around you that, that you're afraid to share the reason for the hope that you have. Pastor Jace did a great video this week for our kids and and he challenged the kids saying they should, they should have a reason to tell others why they believe in Jesus. And see, the Bible says we should. We should, we should know why we believe. And, and more than just post something on Facebook, you know, a lot of people have been posting that they're believers on Facebook. They just cut, a, cut someone else's statement and paste it on their own page. I think the real challenge for us is to tell the people around you, your family members, your coworkers, your classmates, that I do believe in Jesus. Now, we need to share our faith. Keep your six-foot distance for now, but... But we need to be vocal about our faith. And you know what really changed it for me? It's when I began to understand that, that Jesus went public on a cross because of his love for me. And if he was willing to do that for me, surely I can open my mouth for him. And so God wants us to be uh, bold about our faith. And then there's one other character in this story. His name's Pontius Pilate, starting in verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, do you say this on your own accord or did others say it to you about me? And Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. And then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king and for this purpose I was born. And for this purpose, I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? And after he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Pilate, I call Pilate the unconvinced seeker. He's brought Jesus. Jesus is before him, and he's told that Jesus is king of the Jews. I got to tell you a little funny story. 
Some of you kids know that Pastor Jace has joke time with Jace every Sunday. Well, I have a joke that, that I think Pastor Jace would like. When our son Tyler was just a little boy, probably a preschooler, he was having breakfast one day and Julie poured him a glass of, of grape juice. And he held up that, that, that uh, glass of, of grape juice and he says, Mom, Jesus was king of the juice. <laughs> I bet uh, you kids like that. Some of you are groaning right now, but... Jesus was called the king of the Jews. The Jews didn't like that because they looked for a different king that was to come. Now, you need to understand there's two different court systems. There's the Jewish court and the Roman court. The Jewish court was under the oversight of the Roman court. The Jews could try people for religious crimes and deal with them, but they could never sentence someone to death. They had to appeal to the Roman courts, and the reason had to be something that was a big crime in the eyes of the Romans. And so the crime they came up with was... That Jesus had stated he was a king because if Jesus stated he was a king, that was a threat to the Caesar who was emperor at the time. And in those days, and you've probably seen this in history, if someone wanted to be king, there was typically one of two ways. Either you were the son of a king and then when the king died, you, you became the next king or you assassinated the king and by demonstrating your own power, you took over the kingdom. And so if Jesus truly was a king and he's not uh, the emperor's son, he is a true threat to the Roman emperor. And so Pilate begins to ask him questions. He asks him, are, are, are you the king of the Jews? And are you really a king? And, and Jesus basically says, yes, I am. I'm not, not your typical king, not a typical kingdom, but I am a king. My kingdom is not of this world. And basically, that's the, that's the true story. And then Pilate says, well, what, what really is truth? People like to make up their own truth. But there is a truth. There is a reality. And Jesus was telling him what was true and what was real. That's what I love about scripture. We get to know what is true and what is real. And so Pilate is kind of wishy-washy. He doesn't want to make a decision, so he puts it in their hands. He remembers they have a custom, a custom during Passover where the Roman authorities would bring before him two criminals and they could ask for one to be released. In this case, it was a guy named Barabbas along with Jesus. Now, I discovered the name Barabbas. It's a combination of bar, which means son, and abbas, which is the, the Aramaic word for father. The name Barabbas means son of the father. So here you have son of the father next to son of the father. And they get to choose which son of the father they want to free, and they choose Barabbas. Now we learn from Matthew's gospel that Pilate's wife told him that this was an innocent man and he should let him go. But after Pilate did this Passover deal with the, the Jewish leaders, he felt that was good enough, went back, washed his hands, in sense saying, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm cleansed of this. But you know what? There was no sanitizer in that water. And you, and you can't really wash yourself clean of guilt. And so he really had the, the, the guilt of, of Jesus' blood on his hands. And we're going to look at next week what happens because Jesus is then led to a cross. And all of these characters, we have, uh, we have Judas and we have Peter and we have uh, Pilate, and none of them are really great in their devotion to Jesus, and yet Jesus is going to go to a cross for every single one of them. You know what amazes me about Pilate is how many of us are like him? I mean, we ask a lot of questions about Jesus, we show an interest in him, but we never make a commitment. I mean, let's be honest, there are a lot of us that go to church Christmas Eve, we go on Easter, we go when there's a crisis, and, and we actually are interested in Jesus. We may even believe that Jesus is who he said he was, but we've never actually made a commitment to Jesus, never actually surrendered our lives to Jesus. That's where it's at. 
We have to, at some point in time, cross the line, give ourselves to him. We can't just be unconvinced seekers. There's no place of neutrality with Jesus. Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, if you are not with me, you're against me. If you've never made a decision for Jesus, Jesus is basically saying, you're against me. And so you have an opportunity, even now during the midst of this, this worldwide crisis, to look to Jesus. Because Jesus loves you. And we're going to talk next week about that cross that he died on. He loves every one of us. He'll forgive all of the mistakes of the past. Our selfishness, our timidness, our passiveness and unresponsiveness, he'll forgive all of that if we choose now to follow him. And see, I don't know where you're turning in the midst of uh, the shaky times we live in. I mean, it really has been unprecedented what we've been going through. And a lot of us have been shaken to the core asking, what am I going to hold on to? Is it going to get any worse than this? And I have to tell you, it could get worse, not, not, not with this crisis, but what if down the road something like this happens again? What if, what if it happens uh, to our health and, and all of our communication systems go out with it? You know, what if things get real bad in the world? We don't know. We don't know. It's just so uncertain. It's just so shaky that it's so important for us to find what is certain. And I want to tell you this. There is a rock. There is somebody who is firm and solid in the midst of any season, in the midst of this storm. His name is Jesus, and he is your hope. He's your peace. He's your salvation. He's your eternal joy. And I want to plead with you, if you've never given your life to Jesus, do so now. Pastor Dustin's going to share with you in just a moment that there's a response form that you can access uh, at our church where we'll follow up with you. If you have prayer needs, we'll pray for you. If you have questions about Jesus, if you want to know what the next step is for you in your life, if you want to get baptized, we can help you. Now, we can't get you baptized right now, and we'll do that as soon as the uh, restrictions are kind of loosened up. But we want to be here for you uh, because Jesus is here for you. And so I'm going to close this message in prayer. And then uh, I'm going to turn it over to Dustin. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that in spite of the fact that each one of us probably could see ourselves in these characters, that, that Lord, you have given us grace and you've given us a second chance. And I know, Lord, it's not going to be the popular thing with a lot of people. You said narrow is the way and, 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 and small is the door, the gate that people enter into, and only a few find it. And I pray that those that are listening today would be part of the few, uh, kind of the immovable uh, minority that are solid in their faith, standing on the rock of Jesus Christ. So uh, Jesus, we just want to say we love you today and our hope, our joy, our peace is found only in you. If you can agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. Thank you. Well, church, we want to say thank you for joining us today. Uh, I hope that the Holy Spirit moved in each of your homes today. And um, if you made a, a decision today, we want to know about that. If you, if you need prayer, we want to know about that. And so any, any decision that you might have made or any um, way that we can connect with you, would you please go to our website, www.yestogod.org slash connect form, and just let us know how we can pray with you, how we can connect with you, um, any decision that you made that we could follow up with. Um, we know that God is moving, and we want to be a part of that. Um, we also want you to uh, connect with all of our other ministries going on. Uh, check our church website for opportunities to connect with men's ministry, women's ministry, children's ministry, student ministry. There's lots of opportunities to still be a part of ministry. So we love you, church family. We're so glad you were here with us today, and uh, we're excited to uh, see, see you next week.